Welcome to A Bigger Life, where you can break through the distractions, stop, listen, and speak to God in prayer. I'm Dave Cover. I want to help you use the Bible as your conversation with God so you can live a bigger life. I want to spend one more episode looking at this idea of Genesis 1, 26 through 28 being the thesis sentence for the entire rest of the Bible story. You can't understand the rest of the story of your Bible if you miss what Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 28 means, because this is God's blueprint for humanity and God's blueprint for the whole world. This is the decree. This is the plan. Everything else in the Bible is the unfolding of these three verses in some way. The gospel itself, the death and resurrection of Jesus, the teachings of Jesus, the miracles of Jesus, the birth of Jesus, all of that only makes the fullest sense in these three verses of Genesis 1. And it explains what God's ultimate purpose is in our life, what God's vision is in your life, what God is doing in your life, what God has in mind that he created you to live in his universe, and that God is going to redeem and restore that purpose in your life, in our world, in spite of our sin, in spite of our brokenness. God is redeeming this purpose. He hasn't given up on you. He hasn't given up on this world. He hasn't given up on this blueprint that he has for humanity. In fact, far from giving up, he has predestined that it's going to happen. He's determined that it's going to happen. Romans 8 says that creation is waiting for the children of God to be revealed. It, this story is yet to happen. This Genesis 1, 26 through 28 image has yet to be restored. Hebrews says that we don't yet see it happen, but we see Jesus for now, and he's the guarantee that this is all going to happen. So the point is we're still inside Genesis. We're still inside the sixth day of Genesis. And when the sixth day is completed, that's when the seventh day of God's shalom, God's kingdom, God's filling his creation with his presence. He will be present with us. He will dwell with us. He will be our God and we will be his people. That's day seven. And right now, day six has to be completed before day seven comes. So let me read these verses again. Genesis 1, 26 through 28. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. Now notice the repetition of that idea of over, over, ruling over, that we are created in God's image so that we can be God's embodied presence ruling over all creation. So verse 27, so God created mankind in his own image, image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves 
on the ground. Now notice the repetition of image of God, likeness of God appears four times in all of this. And this image is this embodiment of God's presence, God's love, God's will, God's creative glory and presence on this earth. And he created us male and female equally to be God's powerful, glorious image ruling over his creation. This will happen. Everything God says and decrees in Genesis 1 comes true, and this will come true. This will happen. It's still the unfolding story that our life is in. It's still the unfolding story this creation is in, this earth is in. Paul said in Romans 8 that the creation is waiting with eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. We're not yet fully restored to what Genesis 6 or excuse me, the sixth day of Genesis 1 says we're going to be. So Genesis 1, 26 through 28 is God's blueprint. It's God's declaration that human beings are to be God's image as his physical presence, his embodied physical presence on earth to rule over everything in this world, to be fruitful and increase. In other words, that's just packed with all kinds of meaning, but to to flourish and to subdue all the things that are resistant to the flourishing of God, to partner with God, to rule with godlike wisdom and godlike love and godlike humility and godlike glory and godlike power and godlike care for his creation. Think of Jesus calming a storm or healing what's broken or being able to be with the wild animals, it says in Mark 1.13. Jesus was this true image of God that was able to care, rule over creation, all the wild animals and the storm itself and healing what is broken. So, so right now, that blueprint, that purpose has been disrupted by our rebellious nature against God, wanting to be our own glory, wanting to be our own image. In a sense, we want to worship ourselves and worship other images of God. And so all of us, broken by this human condition, this rebellion, and unable to rule, to flourish as God created and decreed us to do. And while all of us are broken, at the same time, it's also still true that every person is created by God in his image still. Remember James 3.9 says that, that when we curse people who are created in the likeness of God, we're cursing God himself because people are the embodied image of God still, even in their sin, even in their brokenness. And the predestined story of God is that we will be restored. Those who are in Christ will be restored to this full image of what Genesis 1, 26 through 28 is all about. And that future potential glory is what Paul says all creation is waiting for the glory of the children of God to be revealed. That future potential glory for everyone It changes how we see our own lives. It changes how we see the story of our lives. It changes how we see what what story is our life in and, and what is happening right now in this moment. How do I interpret this moment in light of this bigger story? And it affects and changes how we see the lives of everyone else around us, how we talk to them, how we treat them, how we talk about them. 
So in spite of our own frustrations with one another, which we all have because we're all sinful, anytime we speak in a way that devalues people, whether we speak about them in a way when they're not around that devalues them, or we speak to them in a way that devalues them, we devalue God's very image, and we devalue a person of unimaginable potential future glory. And like I said in the last episode, we're actually kind of creating a reality by our devaluing them. We're kind of we're kind of lessening in some sense their lives by creating devalue in how they see themselves. But Genesis 1, 26 through 28 is going to happen. And and it's go and it can happen for you if you want to be in that story, if you want Jesus to be who restores you to the image of God, because Jesus has already happened and is happening. He's coming again and he is doing his work. He's building his church, he's building his kingdom by his Holy Spirit through the lives of those who are his. So how do we know this blueprint is real? The answer is Jesus. His death, his birth, his death, and his resurrection all prove that everything he says is true, and Jesus believed the entire Bible was God's true word. It's all going to happen. And so in Jesus, we we have not just a story about forgiveness of sins and redemption. It is that, but it's a re-narration. It's a restatement of Genesis 1, 26 through 28. And it begins now and will be fully realized when Jesus returns. So I want to read, again, a verse I've been looking at in episodes past, 2 Corinthians 3.18, kind of a theme verse for this podcast. And we all who contemplate the Lord's glory, and this is as we contemplate God's glory, which is what we're trying to do in this podcast, as we contemplate the Lord's glory, we all are being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory. That's what's happening right now. We're being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory as we contemplate his glory. And it goes on to say, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So this little verse is telling us this huge story that God's Holy Spirit in us is doing something in us to transform us with ever-increasing glory as we contemplate God's glory. And we're able to contemplate God's glory by His Holy Spirit breathing God's Word. Remember, the Apostle Paul says that all Scripture is God-breathed in 2 Timothy 3.16. It has the very breath of God in it. It's like God's Spirit hovering over us in our darkness, our chaos, our emptiness. And he says, let there be light and let there be life. And God speaks by the breath of God, by his Holy Spirit, through his word. He speaks glory into our lives. He speaks transformation into our lives. He speaks this powerful word that replaces a dead end with this life-giving story of God's blueprint for us, God's bigger life for us, God's bigger story for us, as we contemplate the Lord's glory. So we image God's glory now, and we do so more and more with ever-increasing glory by letting God's Spirit, the Spirit of God, the breath of God, the Word of God, the Spirit of Christ, do His work of transformation in us. Do you want God's Spirit to do His work of transformation in you? Because the, the New Testament teaches us in Galatians 5.22, says the fruit of of the Spirit. This is what the Holy Spirit does. This is when the Holy Spirit speaks and says, let there be light. This is what he does. It's love, joy, peace, patience, 
kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now let's keep consistent with the Bible. It's creating these with ever-increasing reality, ever-increasing glory. So not right away. We're not going to be people who walk around with perfect love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. It's a process. It's a process of what the Holy Spirit is doing in our lives, but this is what the Holy Spirit is doing in our lives. This is what true holiness is. The Holy Spirit is love creating in us, not folded arms that judge people, but love, joy, It's amazing how often joy and the Holy Spirit go together in the same sentence in the Bible, that joy comes from the Holy Spirit. This Holy Spirit that is joy itself, the source of all joy, creates joy in us and creates love in us, love and joy and shalom, peace, this sense that we are in the seventh day, even now with ever-increasing glory, this presence of God, this reality of God dwelling in with his people, and the forever God is our God forever. And there's no more death, but we have these bodies that are resurrected in power and glory and spiritual reality and, and unable to sin. And that reality, even now, is who we are because that's who God has already determined he's going to create us to be. Paul says in Romans 8.30 that we've already been glorified because Christ has already been glorified. This story is already happening and happened. And so we have this sense, even now, we live presently with this future reality of God's ever-increasing glory and therefore this ever-increasing peace Shalom. So ever increasing love, ever increasing joy, ever increasing peace, love, joy, peace, patience, ever increasing kindness, ever increasing goodness, ever increasing faithfulness, ever increasing gentleness, and this ever increasing self control. That is what the Holy Spirit is doing in our lives as we're being transformed back into the image of God, this image of God on earth that's able to reflect and able to bring his love and his joy and his peace and his patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control into this world as we are his embodied image in this world. Do you see how the the whole Bible fits together? It all starts in Genesis 1, and it goes all the way through to Revelation 22. And Revelation 22, verse 5 says, of those who are resurrected when Christ returns, and they will reign on earth forever and ever. That's this going back to Genesis 1, 26, 27, 28. It's going back to this story, but it's not going backward. It's going forward in bodies that are resurrected bodies, unable to die, unable to sin, unable to be weak, and able to, in every way, reflect the glory and the beauty and the transcendence of our Creator, the image of God, this embodied image of God on earth. That's the story your life is in. This is why everyone longs to be significant. Everyone longs to be important. Everyone longs to be seen as valuable. 
And the reason why is because we were created to have this glorious image of God value and this glorious image of God importance and significance. That's a good thing that us for us to long for because that's what we were created to have. It just gets distorted by sin to where we focus it on ourselves as being the source of it and being getting that from other people rather than seeing the true nature of it being something that is derived from our creator, something that is derived from the glory of God. So rather than trying to search for your value and your significance and your importance through some cultural script of this is how you find it through people's affirmation, through people's approval, and all that, this idea of trying to find your true identity, rather than that dead-end story, you're able to recognize yourself and your purpose in this story of Genesis 1, 26 through 28, and, and ultimately the death and the resurrection and the coming kingdom of Jesus. That's how our glory and our worth and significance is derived. That's where it's derived from. And that's how we live into it in the, a bigger life. Jesus is re-narrating Genesis 1, 26 through 28. And you can be inside that story. That's how you get your true sense of identity and importance. I'm thinking about this part in C.S. Lewis in his book, The Problem of Pain. He writes in chapter 10, he writes this. He says, this signature on each soul may be a product of heredity and environment, but that only means that heredity and environment are among the instruments whereby God creates a soul. I am considering not how, but why he makes each soul unique. If he had no use for all these differences, I do not see why he should have created more souls than one. Be sure that the ins and outs of your individuality are no mystery to him, and one day they will no longer be a mystery to you. For it is not humanity in the abstract that is to be saved, but you. All that you are, sins apart, is destined, if you will let God have his good way, to utter satisfaction. And then what C.S. Lewis does is he looks at this verse in Revelation chapter 2, verse 17, where Jesus says to those who are faithful in their living a life for him in this world, Jesus says, to those who are victorious, I will also give each of them a white stone with a new name written on it, known only to the one who receives it. In other words, this is an incredible verse that Jesus says there's going to be this white stone. It's all imagery, right? But this name that God gives you, known only between you and God, this identity that God has always had for you, this identity that God has created you, always wanted you to be in. And so C.S. Lewis goes on, he says, Why else were individuals created but that God, loving all infinitely, should love each differently? In other words, God has this identity he has created for you, and he loves that identity. He loves that individuality he created for you. So if you need to find affirmation in the cultural script, have at it. But that is literally a dead end. The only way to find real affirmation is by your creator who has this eternal story for you that begins on page one in the Bible and it ends on the last page of the Bible with you reigning on earth and the image restored image of God. And so his decree, this stone even, if you want to go with that illustration, this this 
destiny that God has for you with your name on it is just between you and him. And yet it's how you image God in this new humanity that he's created you to be a part of in Christ. God has decreed a plan. He's decreed a plan for your life and he wants you to be in it, but you have to want it. He's not going to force it on you. And so every day is a decision of whether or not you want to live into this bigger story, whether you want to submit to Jesus as your king so that you can be restored to this true image of God. And so that's why I pray, oh God, speak to me by your Holy Spirit. Speak life into me. Speak light into me with ever increasing glory because I want your will for me. I want your will. Hallowed be your name and may your kingdom come in me and your will be done in me because I know that your will is glory and your will is love and your will is joy and your will is shalom, peace, and your will is this goodness and faithfulness and this idea of everything that you created me to be that is unique about me and also this glorious plan that I would be part of this better humanity of love, this humanity that's existing with one another in joy as we share the image of God and share this ever-increasing glory even now that we have by your Holy Spirit. I pray that your Holy Spirit would transform my life with ever-increasing glory into this story. This is the story I want to be in. This is the script I want to live by. This script of being significant because of who I am in Jesus. This script of being valuable because of what Jesus has done in his death and resurrection that brings value to my life. It reflects the value of my life to you. It reflects the worth of my life to you. That's why you died for me. And that's why you have this story that you haven't given up on. Even though so many ways I've walked away from you in my life, you haven't given up on me. You are persistent in this this plan you have for my life, and you have done nothing but give and sacrifice and surrender your rights to become human and to suffer and to be beaten and to be crucified so that I don't have to be separated from you forever, but rather I can be brought into this story of glory, ever-increasing glory that comes from the Lord by your Holy Spirit. And I pray that even now I would walk filled with your Holy Spirit, walk filled with power, and walk filled with love and joy and goodness and patience and kindness, and that I would be an embodied presence of your Holy Spirit on earth, that I would be this embodied presence of love and joy and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and patience with people, that I would have this embodied presence of God, and even now that I would rule over, so to speak, that I would be somebody who images you in this world, and I image you to others, and I image you to all creation around me, this kindness of God, this love of God, the humility of God in Jesus. 
and this self-sacrificing love that you have for me, that I would have a self-sacrificing love for other people. I don't have to be reciprocated. They don't have to treat me with value and significance for me to treat them with value and significance. They don't have to treat me with love for me to love them. And they don't have to treat me with kindness for me to be kind. But I have this presence of God on earth who gave even when we cursed and who sacrificed even when we killed him because of your love for us being self-giving, self-sacrificing love. That's the love you have for me. That's the love I can trust, the love of my creator, the love that created this universe and created me to be a part of this incredible eternal plan you have for this universe that you have a role for me in, that you have a will for me in, this glorious purpose for my life. That's what I want. And I want to live in that story and not be hijacked into these smaller cultural scripts that steal the bigger story from my life, that get me to panic, get me to not trust you, get me to live for myself, get me to live for my own glory, get me to be angry at others for not treating me with glory, but rather I can live into this script from your holy scriptures. And that's what I trust from page one to the last page. I trust your scriptures. I trust your promise. I trust your will for my life. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to A Bigger Life, a podcast of The Crossing, a church in Columbia, Missouri. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and give it a rating so people can find this content more easily or consider texting it to a friend or posting it on social media. Thanks for listening.